Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. We'll start with Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 23, and then we'll move to Mark 3, 27, and we'll end at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. I will start from Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. Says, my son, attend to my words, Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. Mark 3.27 says, But no one can go to a strong man's house and ransack his house his household goods right and left and seize them as plunder until he first binds the strong man then indeed he may thoroughly plunder his house finally 2nd Corinthians 10 3 to 5 says though we walk in the flesh as mortal men we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you because it will give us light. Thank you because your word is to teach, to correct, to rebuild, to lift, to raise, to change, to transform. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that allows the power of your word to seep through our hearts and change everything that is not of you. Father, we pray this morning that you go through to the deepest areas of our hearts, of our lives, of our minds, of our thoughts, and you will dwell there. You will plant your seed there. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will do a deep work there and that you would Remove every dead thing and you breathe life to the things that need life. We give you praise for in Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Amen. Before you sit, please say hi to your neighbor. Compliment them, but say the truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Good morning, church. I want to welcome you all to part two of the Rebuild, Rebuilding the Ruins Conference. Praise God. Um, so today we're just going to, I'm going to talk about two things, building up from what happened yesterday. And as always, Pastor Nigel um, lays such a good foundation that. You don't need to do any background, just go over it. And to make matters what he sang my wedding song to end the service, I almost cried, but I remember that today is not my wedding day. <laughs> so yesterday I was speaking and I was talking about knowledge. And I was talking about the importance of knowledge and how knowledge influences our thoughts, our perception, and everything that we see and everything that we do. And how Accurate knowledge is so much of a blessing because it allows you to see clearly. And when you have knowledge, you have light. And when you have light, your paths are brighter. You can see clearly. You can move. You can make good decisions. 
nobody wants to enter a business or do an investment without having all the information as is as is available as you possibly can so that you can make informed decisions. And so when you have accurate knowledge, you have light enough to do the things that you have. See. You have lights. You see, I, I know how, so I have knowledge. See, you saw the lights. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. But the first thing I want to talk about today, Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind and helpful for one another tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ forgave you. This is an instruction for us to help us deal with other believers. But this morning, I want you to use the principle on how to deal with yourself. Yesterday, I mentioned that some of the things that we have done, we've done because we do not know better, right? Some of the mistakes that we've made, we made them because we didn't know better, because we did not have access to knowledge or light, or you had access to knowledge, but you chose not to know or you chose not to learn. And so you made mistakes. And that mistake cost you something or cost somebody else something. And this morning, I want to invite you to get rid of guilt. Guilt is a cage. Guilt is a thief. Guilt is something that keeps you reminiscing on one spot and feeling so bad for yourself that you cannot move forward. The healthy condition of every believer is progress. For you to make progress daily, move forward no matter how slowly. So for you to remain in a place of guilt, it means that you are not going to be making progress. And for you not to make progress, that means you are becoming an unhealthy believer. And for you to become, an, for you to be or stay or remain in the place of being an unhealthy believer, you're going to deteriorate because nothing actually just stays the same. So you are either moving forward or you are moving backward. You are either living or you are dying. Praise God. So is there anybody here that because of your lack of knowledge, you destroyed a friendship or your relationship with someone? You just went somewhere and you were running your mouth. Do you understand? <laughs> and what is even worse is, you heard something from someone. You didn't take the time to verify the information, but you used it as though you were the source of that information. And you realized that you had damaged a relationship that probably cost five years, six years, 20 years to build. One of the saddest places that I see this happens, happen is during wedding preparation. You see family members use words to destroy relationships that have been built over the years. Said something to one auntie there, she stopped cooking for you every time you come to her house. That uncle that every time you go to his house, you are sure of transport, but now you cannot go to his house because you know, if you go, you will trek back and come back home. It's Pastor Isi that said it. <laughs> so the first invitation I want you to accept this morning is to rid yourself of guilt. You don't know everything, and that is just because you are a human being. You are not infallible. That's why God saw the need to give you the Holy Spirit. If you do not need to learn, you will not need a teacher. And that's why the Holy Spirit is there. You will definitely make mistakes in this life, but the Holy Spirit is there to teach you and to remind you. But you should know that making the same mistake over and over again moves from being a mistake to a pattern. 
and to a habit. And after the first few times, it's no longer a mistake, it's a choice. But this morning, for you to make progress, I invite you to rid yourself of guilt. Guilt is a cage. It boxes you in. It allows you to see where you should have gone, but does not allow you to go there. You see the progress. Some of you are online, and you see your classmates doing so much wonderful things out there. But just the guilt that you have that, oh, I did not make that move when I was supposed to make it or I did not attend that school when I was supposed to do that, or I did not make that particular choice when I should, is restricting you from realizing that if you start now, you will someday make it there. But there's no how that if you start now, you will make it now. You must disabuse that idea, right, that if I decide to make up my mind now to change my life, my life will be changed forever today. It's not going to happen. It's going to take you making that choice daily, every single day, until you see that happen. You will choose to be better today and choose it tomorrow and choose it next tomorrow and remind yourself that even though you did not get it right the first time, you have an opportunity to get it right this time. And then you take your guilt and put it behind you. You don't throw your guilt away. You process your guilt. You forgive yourself, and then you move on. Some of you need to, I don't know if this is accurate, but for the sake of this conversation, some of you need to forgive God. Or forgive yourself of the expectation that you put on God that was not his expectation of you. And you are like, God, you should have done this for me. And you're not even patient to listen to God to say, and God to tell you that, no, I shouldn't have done this for you. I should have done this for you. But you were so preoccupied with me doing this for you that you could not see that I was walking even when you were not listening. And so this morning, you have to, and sometimes it's, is shame. When you have realized your mistake, to go back requires a lot of humility to say, God, I know I blamed you, but I realized that you are not to be blamed and I've come to you. It takes a lot. We would rather move on from there than go back and start again. And this morning I'm inviting you. The beautiful thing about God is that we must see all the aspects of God through the lens of his goodness and his holiness. God is good as a nature, not a characteristic. God in himself is goodness, meaning that somebody said it so perfectly, says, if you perceive something bad to have happened and God allowed it, then it must have been good for it to happen. Because God is always good. God is also holy, and by holiness, it means that God is set apart. He's distinct. He's different. He's not like you. The Bible says that as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his ways from our ways and his thoughts from our thoughts. It's like you are only able to comprehend in 2D, but you are receiving mysteries in 3D. You would see and understand, but you will not be able to fully comprehend the totality of everything that he is. And that's God. Everything about God must be viewed through the lens of his goodness and his holiness. I'll give you a perfect example. 
in the context, the reason why knowledge is so important, the context to which we live, we understand judgment to be connoted with something negative or bad. So when somebody, yeah, punishment, somebody does something, or when you do something and you realize, and you don't want them to shame you, your first is like, please don't. Yes, please don't judge me. But do you know that the children of Israel, when they encountered God as judge, it was always something of joy because they were living under such oppression that they looked forward to a judge who would come and redeem them. So when they experienced God as judge, it was always something of joy and something to look forward to. But given our own current context, cultural background, experiences, and the things happening around the world, when we see God as judge, our experience or the expectation we have is different, but it's the same God. That's why you cannot trust your lens to view God. You cannot trust your experience. What experience does is experience takes your knowledge and concretizes it. And this way, I want, I'm going, we're going to pray with the remaining time I have. And the second thing God has led me to speak about this morning is strongholds. When we talk about knowledge, right, knowledge, knowledge can become a stronghold. You can know something so assuredly that nothing can take away that knowledge from you, whether it's good or bad. By definition, a stronghold is built to be impenetrable, is built to be indestructible, is built to be a defense. It's in, in, those, in those days, I was not there, it's by reading, you understand? So in case my knowledge is not complete, right, feel free to tell me, but like after the service. Okay. <laughs> All right, so in those days, what we have as military might and guns and bombs and everything, one of their military strategies in those days was building a wall. And around the city, they will build a wall that is so thick that the enemy will not be able to come into the wall. Have you ever wondered why Rahab was able to build a house on the wall? Because the length of their walls were so long that four horses, chariots, could ride side by side on a wall. So when you think about the miracle of God on the walls of Jericho, you need to understand that it's not bricks and cement. It's not, how they call that thing? For, you know now when they are putting cement, they say, is it four, be six or something? It's, no, it's not like that. That one, even you, if you blow it, <laughs> you will come down. But you must understand that the representation of a wall to the city was its defense. It was its stronghold, it was its fortress, it was its strength, it was, it was its assurance. They could rely on the walls because it could protect them. What a stronghold does to your mind is it builds a wall around your mind so that nothing can enter into it and nothing can come out of it. It is just there. When it comes to the mind, the strongholds of your mind are not built oftentimes consciously. They are built unconsciously. And for everything that you view, everything that goes through your gates, the things you see, the things you hear, the things you experience, the things that somebody that you trust says, 
they keep adding a stack of brick to the walls that are forming around your mind. So some of you don't know that the knowledge of marriage you have is faulty. You don't know that it's wrong. You don't know that man and woman are not supposed to live like that in the house because you experienced it first block. You read it somewhere, second block. Somebody you love is experiencing the same thing, third block. You went somewhere and in a joke, people were laughing about it, but they added a layer to that stronghold in your mind. And today, when you think about the word marriage, your stronghold begins to raise head and tell you that I am the truth. But it is not the truth, it is a stronghold. Some of you don't know that parents should not talk to children the way you have been talked to. You don't understand that the home training that we all experience sometimes had elements of abuse. You are not aware. You just believe that that's how life is. But this morning, according to scripture, we are going to be pulling down destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Even our knowledge of God is faulty. We believe that God exists simply to do us good. No, God exists to bring you alive. And when you experience him in him, you find goodness. The Bible says you should seek what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek after will be added to you. But we seek God. Even when God was relating to his own example, the children of Israel, he says he revealed his ways to who? But his acts to who? But the reason why we should not just go for his acts is because Acts are fickle. The same people who saw the Red Sea part were complaining when there was no water. Can you imagine that? But if that's the only experiential knowledge of God you have, then your knowledge of God is incomplete. And there's nothing as bad as half-truth. It is more destructive than a lie. Because a lie, you can call it out outrightly and know that I ought to disregard this completely because it's a lie. But a half-truth, you are not aware which part is the lie and which part is the truth. And it's so deceptive because it looks like the truth. How many of you have bought egg roll just to see that something? It's painful. It hurts. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we say that God wants you to be whole, it's not just to take away your pain, but to restore you completely. The Bible was speaking, giving a proverb and says in the scripture that when a person has been exercised or like a demon has left a person and the house of the person is clean, the demon still comes back to check if there's anything that has replaced what has been taken. And when the demon has found that that place is empty, you know, they have a good community. They, they look after each other. Say, ah, I found a clean house in Lekki. It's a 
supreme prime location. The landlord has taken care of everything. POP, AC, there's even water heater in the bathroom. And then this is, the demon goes back to get seven stronger. Why does the demon go for seven stronger demons? Because the goal of the enemy is to build strongholds. Strongholds are so easy. They are so, they take time to build and time to bring down. See, in an argument, nobody can tell you more than what you've experienced. When you're arguing with someone, you say no. You don't know what you're talking about. I have seen this thing. I've experienced, I know what I'm talking about. In fact, when your argument has expired, like you don't have anything to say, you are left with, I have experienced this thing. I know what I'm talking about. And sometimes our experiences are not true. Experience is not the best teacher. In fact, experience is the worst teacher because you will fail first before you learn the lesson. The Holy Spirit has always been the best teacher. Your experiences will lie to you and tell you those lies are truth and you believe them. You begin to wait to experience these things again because there are things that you know. And do you know what is so funny about life? You will always gravitate towards something you know or something you are comfortable to. A practical practical example, if you travel out of this country and go to a store and you want to buy something, the products you will pick are the products you know. Not everybody is quick to try something new. You will always go through what you're familiar with. It's the same thing that happens that when you grow up in a home that has an abusive father, you are more likely to marry somebody that looks like that because it's something you've seen and you know how to handle it. Or you tell yourself that, I can deal with this one. But for somebody that loves you like Christ loves you, you are unfamiliar with it and you don't know how to handle yourself around that. So you are quick to reject that because you have a stronghold in your mind. And Pastor Nigel spoke earlier and said some foundations will need curing. Some foundations, you will need to bring down everything that you've built. If Christ is not your foundation, everything else you build will be worthless, no matter how many elements of truth exist on what you are building. This morning, our invitation is for you to Come to God with your stronghold. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the person of Jesus. It is in Jesus that your strongholds can bow, that mountains can melt as wasp before him. It is in him. It's not in any one person. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring down things that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God in your life. That same power was the one that transformed 12 scared men into people that could stand boldly and tell the people who they were afraid of, of Jesus and what he had done. And the Bible said that over 3,000 were added to the church in one day. It's the same people who, see, the, the, the place that they were staying or praying, waiting for Jesus, it's not because they wanted to stay there. It's hiding that they were hiding to pray. Some had already said, we are going back. 
to the thing that we were doing before this man came and died on us. Praise God. But the power that is in the Holy Spirit, even Jesus told them, he says, wait until you have received power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And today, over 2,000 years ago, we are the beneficiaries of the work of 12 men, and then 120, and then 720,000. That's the power that exists in the God that you have. I am always in awe that the same Holy Spirit that drove people to go towards the ends of the earth teaching about the gospel is the same Holy Spirit that I have. You don't understand. We are in a pandemic, right? All of you are. Somebody coughed that time. You start to speak in tongues, you know, because you need to cover all your bases, you know. But in the early church, they also experienced a pandemic where everyone was dying. And everybody in the city was running away from the city because the pandemic was key. This is not scripture, this is in history, in the early church. And it was recorded that the Christians remained back to take care of their other citizens. By the way, these are the citizens that used to persecute them for fun. And because of that, the power of the gospel spread. Because of the love of God that was shared with these people, right? The legacy of faith that you have allowed people to be burned as torches to light up a city. And they did that singing songs of glory before God. That's the legacy that was passed on to you. That's the power that was given you. It says, by faith, people received their dead back to life. They conquered kingdoms and territories. By faith, is that same faith that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what is this mountain that stands before you, O Zerubbabel? It will be brought down. For every stronghold that exists in your mind, somebody whispered something to you as a child that said that you will never be good enough. And for everything that you've tried, you've capped yourself at a point. You've told yourself that it's okay to remain at this place as long as I am okay. And you give yourself scriptural backings to enforce that it's okay for you to remain at a limited place. When you serve a God who built the heavens and earth out of nothing and has decided to make his home in your heart. You exist with such power, but you bring down God down to the level of your mind. This morning, we are breaking down every stronghold. You know, you went to school one day and they told you you are not good at math. And since then, every choice that you've made for your life has excluded math out of it. Because you just believe that the teacher would know better than the God that made you. This morning, we are pulling down stronghold. Some of you are living to prove a point, And that person you are proving it to is not God. God doesn't care. God already knows who you are. The person that you are trying to prove a point to, by the time you are done, the person might not even care. Or the person will set another standard for you. 
And then you will rise to meet it. And they will send another standard. You know, David, though they said collected 300 million, some people that cannot eat, they'll be saying that today. 200 million. Otedola has done more than that. You are neither Otedola or. But you sit down and you place standards on people. And then you, because you don't know your identity in God is not rooted and founded, you pick up the standards that people are placing on your life and you begin to live. You've forgotten who has called you, who has made you, who has assigned you, who has seen your future and has mapped out your plan. You've forgotten that you are no longer your own and you have been bought with a price. You've forgotten that... Jesus, in all his majesty and glory, came down as a man so that he can live your life and give you his. You've forgotten what you have. Let me explain something to you. The price for your sin was not free. It was paid for. You know, you say, Jesus has forgiven me. It's for free. To you, to Jesus, it was not free. He paid it with his life. Have you ever been in such turmoil that the Bible records that your sweats were like drops of blood? So for you to just think that, oh, because Jesus was God, it was so easy. You know, he just came, lived with the people. Oh, they betrayed him. Ah, it was nothing. Then he was just like, oh my God, it's time. Then they nailed him. He was just like, oh God, here I come, here I come, it's done. No. No. At some point, Jesus said, if it's, if it's possible, let this cup. And it's not because of the pain of the nails, but it was inconceivable that he could ever have a minute where he was separated from God. And at some point, he, he, the, the weight of the sin of the world was placed upon him. And God in his holiness had to look away. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Because he needed to die your death. He had to experience something he had never experienced before so that you can experience everything that you ought to experience. Then you take that price and then you cheapen it and then you, realize, you decide that it's somebody else's expectation that you should live up to. Today you will be set free from that bondage to live up to the noise that is in the world. Today God will help you narrow your focus so that you can only see Christ. That you will set your flint, your eyes like a flint. You will set your gaze. The Bible says if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Your eye will be single today in the name of Jesus. You will begin to see only what God will have you see. Other things will not matter to you anymore as long as you know that you are doing the will of the one who sent you and you are there to finish it. This morning we are going to pray. And we are going to say, God, every stronghold that has limited me in my mind, in my heart, in my experiences, in the things that I, I ought to leave. God, we are pulling it down in the name of Jesus. Please, I would like the pastors to come forward. And if you're here and you want someone to pray with you, whenever we call people forward to pray, it's not because God cannot see you where you are. It's an act of faith. You step out and brothers and sisters join you in a place of prayer by faith. And then you come to God. It's God that does the work. 
It's not the laying on of hands or anything. It's God himself that does the work. And you come out by faith and you say, I have a stronghold in my mind. It may be a stronghold of sexuality. You just feel like you cannot live without sex. You feel like you will literally die without it. But your different experiences have started to pervert your mind and you feel you are worthless. It may be a case of molestation, abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, whatever stronghold, things that have happened to you so frequently that you believe that this is what my lot in life is. But the price that was paid for you has said no and that there's better life for you. So this morning, if you have any stronghold in your life, if you have anything that you need God to break this morning by faith, I want you to step forward and one of the pastors will pray for you and the rest of the church. Can you just stretch your hands forward and pray in faith over everybody that comes forward. There's nothing that God cannot do. The Bible says that with man it is impossible but with God all things are possible. This morning I want us to This morning, I want us to pray. There is nothing that is impossible with God. The one who made everything out of nothing. He sees you. He knows you. He knows where you are. The place of your pain, of your hurt, of your stronghold. And God is bringing it down this morning. God is giving you life. He's giving you light. He's giving you energy. The supernatural energy of God is over you. Is lifting you. Is raising you. Is strengthening you. Is recalibrating your mind, your essence is touching your value is touching your worth, is touching your essence, is going right down to the place of your childhood and is fixing broken places, broken walls, broken down things uh, things have been erected by the enemy whispered in your ears, the lies of the enemy are being, are being brought down right now in the name of Jesus church, if you are still sitting, just stretch your hands towards those that are in and start praying that the reality of God will be seen in their lives daily. Every chain broken today will not resurrect in the name of Jesus. We pray that every mountain broken will not go up in the name of Jesus. We are praying, oh God, that everything God that you are doing today will remain permanent in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we know that you have the ability and the capacity to change things. You will reorder the universe, oh God in time. We ask that you start with our lives. You will do a deep work in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you will change minds. You will heal hearts. You will heal souls in the name of Jesus. Father, you who sees our toilet tears, oh God, we ask that Lord, you will wipe them out today in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.